have to lift this up a little bit. Hang on. Hopefully it stays. You guys are really close. Okay. It kind of reminds me of SeaWorld. You guys might be in the splash zone. Just letting you know. Well, um, good morning. It is, it is good to be here. Uh, as Sam said, my name is Mike. One of the things that I probably was the most anxious about about doing this was having to introduce myself because what do you say, right? That's really hard. And so here's, here's what I think you need to know. I live in Lompoc. I am an unapologetic Raiders fan. And yeah. And I am a weekend hack on the golf course. So that's pretty much what you need to know. Um, Sam was very gracious. Uh, I am not trained in the Bible. <laughs> Okay, maybe a little bit, but I'm not, yeah, no. I would never say that about myself. Um, to give you guys an example of just how untrained I am, I forgot my Bible this morning. So I'm going to use Sam's. Hold on. Oh, no wonder he needs glasses. It's like size six font. It's okay, we're friends. Okay, today we are going to be in John chapter 13. John chapter 13. If you do not have a Bible, we do have Bibles in the back, um, and our ushers can hand those out. Just stick your hand up in the air. We can get you one of those. When Sam asked me to teach, um, if you guys haven't found out already, I'm, I'm pretty soft-spoken. Uh, I'm a soft-spoken guy. Like, you aren't going to really see me get too super excited about things, and then you're also not going to see me be, like, on the other end of the spectrum. Very, like, even keel. And Sam goes, hey, if I have you teach, are you able to, like, raise your voice up and down? <laughs> like, can you do that? Because they're used to someone who can lift their voice. I said, anything for you. So... We're going to give it an attempt. Um, before we jump in, let's pray and just kind of get our hearts in the right place. Because I want to look at Jesus this morning, and I want to look at elements of Jesus that I think we all know and are familiar with. However, at the same time, have almost become cliche within Christianity. And have kind of almost just been this thing that we know, but we don't actually think about or realize the gravity of what it means. So let's pray, and then we will jump into the word. Dear Lord Jesus, I just pray that as we, as we open up and we look at this story about you and who you are, and really your heart, your mission, everything about it, God, I, I pray that our minds would be blown and that we would walk out of here this morning with just a deeper understanding of how much you love us and a deeper understanding of what it was that you did, a deeper understanding of why we have these stories recorded for us. And so, God, I just I pray this morning that as we look at your word, that you would be glorified and you would be magnified. And I pray that the Raiders beat the Chiefs. In Jesus' name, amen. It's God's team. Just saying. 
All right, John chapter 13, let's start in verse 1, and we're going to read a few verses, so make sure you are sitting down. Uh, Here we go. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray, betray him, excuse me, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. When he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. How many of you guys have ever heard this story before? Let's just get a show of hands. Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Okay, so now I need five volunteers. I'm just kidding. We aren't going to do it. You guys got really nervous for a second. We are not going to wash each other's feet. But what I want to do is I want to go through this story, and I want to go through kind of slow. Um, And I will try and hurry up. Pastor Joe gave me two hours. I'm going to try and I'll try and get us out of here before then. Um, But here we go. Okay, I'm just kidding. But that was funny. If you guys can't tell, I'm a little nervous. So here we go. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Okay, so Jesus' time had come. And ultimately, within the story of Jesus, this is leading up to that crescendo moment where he is going to be crucified on the cross. And so as John is is sitting down to write this story and he's recounting these events, I want you to to think about John for a minute. Okay, as he's sitting there, and we don't know, I I mean, I don't know, someone probably does, how long after Jesus' life that this is getting written down. But I want you to think about this. As John is writing this story, what does he make sure that he mentions? It's that Jesus had loved them to the end. 
he had loved them to the end. And I started to think about this, and I asked myself this question. If, if today was the end of my life, how many people would say that I have loved them to the end? What about you? What about, what about in your life? Like how many people can honestly say, he loved us, or he loved me, he loved me to the end? Right? I think of my kids. <laughs> my kids would probably say that. My wife would hopefully say that. Right? I love my wife. I hope that she feels that I love her. Um, she does, I hope. I hope. But think about this for a minute. Years later, as John is recounting this story and recounting Jesus, he's just overwhelmed with the fact of how much Jesus actually loved him, but not just him, the rest of the disciples. And to me, that is fascinating as we look at this. Even though this is going to be the end of Jesus' life, he's still loving them. He's still loving them, even though he knows what is about to happen. How will you be remembered? I think that's a good question to ask ourselves, right? When someone is gone, uh, we tend to think about the, the things about them that we either really liked or didn't like. How will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? I'm going to ask it again. How will you be remembered? Because our goal as Christians, as believers, is to represent Jesus in all that we do. And if we're accurately representing Jesus, we will be known for how much we love each other. For how much we have loved. And this is how Jesus is remembered. Verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around them. You, it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm mentally distracted right now because I watched a TED Talk on how to public speak. Have, have any of you guys ever watched something like that? right, how to public speak. And they said one of the things not to do was to put your hands in your pockets. And I've found myself already like four times this morning putting my left hand in my pocket and it's really distracting for me. So now it's going to be distracting for you as well. Um, yeah, anyways, let's try and get back to the text. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. It was already going to happen. And I think that there's something important that we can grasp from this and actually be aware in our own life. The devil searched for a person to betray Jesus. And he found Judas. And I'm under the impression and the belief that he probably primed Judas for a while. Think about it. Where, where was Judas weak? What was his struggle? It was money. 
It was greed. And so the devil probably had this thought, if I want to get a man to betray Jesus, I'm going to use areas where he is weak to accomplish my mission. Now here's where this becomes applicable in our life. Where are you weak? Where are you weak? Where can you betray Jesus? That's a, that's a question that we need to wrestle with. And if I look at my heart, and I look at the wickedness within myself, and I look at my failures, I look at my struggles, I look at areas where I am tempted, that is where the devil wants to play. And so what do we need to do? We need to be honest about where we're at. And we need to be honest with each other. We need to be honest about our our shortcomings. We need to be honest about our failures. We need to be honest about where we're weak. Why? Because when we are able to confess, there is strength. Like there's now accountability. Like somebody else knows. And there's strength in that. And so it's important here that we are always mindful of areas where we are weak and we're never, we're never at a place where we think, hey, you know what? I got this. I got this. This is easy. This isn't a struggle for me. Judas was weak in these areas and that made him susceptible. Now, I want you to look at what Jesus does. I think this is rather fascinating. He gets up from supper. He takes off his outer garment. He ties a towel around his waist. He pours water into a basin. And then he begins to wash his disciples' feet and then wipe off the feet with the towel that is wrapped around his belt or his waist. In this culture it is very common that you would get your feet washed upon entry into someone's house. And I'm not going to try and insult your intelligence, but they all wore sandals and there were dirt roads. And so imagine if you're, if you're traveling on a dirt road every single day in sandals or you're barefoot, I'm guessing your feet are going to be probably pretty dirty. Um, I had an opportunity, I lived in Hawaii for three months, and the whole time I was there, I never wore shoes. Like, who wears shoes in Hawaii? (laughs) I never wore shoes. I either wore flip-flops, or I was just barefoot. Guess what? My feet? Dirty. What color is the dirt in Hawaii? It's like red, brown, right? That was the color of my feet. Okay, so just picture everyone's feet in this culture. Everyone's sitting down for dinner. Everyone's reclined with their feet up. Okay, everyone's looking at everybody's feet. They're all dirty. And Jesus rises to wash them. Now, I want you to put yourself into this story. What if you're there at dinner? Okay. You're there, you're one of the disciples, and Jesus gets up and begins to do this. What is your first thought? 
uh-oh, <laughs> right? So I work, um, I do cabinet installation in Santa Barbara, and I have, I have a job to do. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm, let's say I'm working, and my boss shows up to a job site and starts doing what, <laughs> what I should be doing, uh-oh, right? Uh-oh. I would be thinking, oh, we're in trouble. Here's Jesus getting up to wash my feet. Why are none of their feet washed? Why are none of their feet washed? You know, this is interesting too. You think about this. What, what are the disciples doing? See my left hand right there? What, what are the disciples yeah. What are the disciples doing while they're sitting around the table? Does anybody know? It doesn't actually say here in John. But it says in the other gospel accounts. Do you know what the disciples are doing? They're arguing with each other. And they're arguing about what? Who is the greatest? Why are none of their feet washed? Because if one of them were to get up and start washing someone else's feet, it would be an admission of inferiority. Now, I would argue and I would say that any one of them would probably wash Jesus' feet because they did view Jesus as higher than themselves. But there is no way Peter's washing John's feet. What about Bartholomew? You guys know anything about him? Neither do I. But he's not washing anyone's feet. No one's feet are getting washed because they're too consumed with themselves. They're too consumed with themselves. And isn't that true of us? When we are so self-absorbed and so consumed with ourselves, we can't actually see the needs of other people. We can't actually feel empathy for other people because we're so concerned and absorbed with self. And so here are the disciples, not washing anyone's feet. And so Jesus gets up and he removes his outer garments and starts doing everything to get ready to make this happen, to wash the disciples' feet. Now, one thing about me, um, I am hyper-observant. So uh, I, don't, I don't know if any, anyone else in here is like that, but I tend to notice everything. Just super observant. And if I were to see this happen, I would get very, very uncomfortable. And I think that um, we're going to look at Peter here in a second and how Peter reacts to this. I think that I would feel the exact same way. Where I would be very, very uncomfortable. Whereas the other disciples, it doesn't seem to imply that any of them had a problem with this. That they just kind of enjoyed the pedicure. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've never had one, but I will tell you this story. I, I did not plan on telling you this story, but I'm going to tell it. It's kind of self-deprecating, but I'm going to tell it anyway. 
You guys know uh, the Little Rainbow Foot Massage Place in Solvang? So for those of you who don't know, I have, I have a daughter, okay? I have a six-year-old daughter. At this time, uh, she was probably three. I, I don't know, something like that. And it was my wife and I's anniversary. I can't remember which one, probably three, <laughs> probably four, who knows? And we're just walking around Solvang and she goes, hey, let's go get a foot massage. And I was like, why not? We don't have kids with us, let's go get a foot massage. And we go in there, I take my shoes off, take my socks off, and I look at my wife and I said, uh-oh. I had let my daughter the night before paint my toenails. <laughs> and so they were all different colors. And as I'm sitting there, I'm looking at my feet and I'm looking at the person who's about to rub my feet. And I just couldn't even say anything. I didn't know what to say. So. Anyways, I don't know why I thought about that. But Jesus washing feet, okay? That's why. <laughs> Jesus washing feet. Verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So as Jesus makes his rounds, he gets to Peter, and Peter's like, uh-uh, you aren't washing my feet. You aren't washing my feet. And I think it's really easy to look at Peter and think that maybe this is an act of defiance, or this is, this is him kind of standing up and saying, no, Jesus, I'm actually Lord over you, um, and I'm telling you what to do and what you're not going to do, and you're not going to wash my feet. But look at Jesus' response. He says, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward, you will. I couldn't help but think of us as humans and our relentless pursuit to understand things we don't understand. How many of y'all are trying to figure out our country right now? How many of y'all are trying to figure out our state? Trying to figure out our county? Things we don't understand. I think it's dangerous to provide answers to things we don't understand. You know, I, I was in pastoral ministry for, for a few years. I'm, I currently am not. But I remember having people come to me for counseling or just like issues or whatever the case may be. And the temptation is to give them an answer as to why something is happening. But to be honest, we don't know. We don't know why God is doing what he is doing some of the times. And to be honest, we might not ever know this side of eternity. We might not ever know. And so it's really easy for Peter as he's sitting there and as Jesus comes up to say, no, like, I'm really uncomfortable with this. I mean, and this is similar to John the Baptist, right? Remember John the Baptist when John's out at the Jordan and he's baptizing and Jesus comes and John's like, no, I should be baptized by you. I'm not even worthy to loose your sandals. 
And I think Peter is kind of in this same situation where he's looking at what's happening. And he's looking at Jesus come to him, taking on the role of a servant and serving him. And he says, no, like, I do not deserve this. And Jesus says, what I am doing, you don't understand. I think that a lot of times in our life, we say no to God when he's asking us to do something or he's going to do something for us because we don't understand what he's doing. Like I can, I can give you life stories. Uh, there was a moment in my life where I felt God was leading me to Georgia of all places. And you know what I wanted? Okay. I need a job. I need to know for how long I need to know where I'm going to live. Like we have all of these expectations or these, these unwritten answers. Like I need this and I need this and I need this. And God might say, you know what, what I'm doing, you don't understand, but you will later. And this was in 2012. And I understand now why, like there's a lot of things in our life that happen that we don't understand guys, that's okay. It's okay to not understand what's going on in our nation. It's okay to not understand. It's okay to not get it. I think we need to stop trying to make sense of circumstances or situations that we don't understand. Because let me ask you this question. If what the Bible says is true, why are you worried? You know the end game. You know who wins. Why are you worried? I appreciate that. Thank you. She was agreeing with me. But let's get back to Peter. Verse 9. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Peter says, just dump the bucket. Just dump the bucket on me, right? Like a coach winning the Super Bowl. Like just the Gatorade, the water, everything. Just pour it on me, make me clean. However, the issue is with Peter's response is that again, he doesn't actually understand what Jesus is doing. He doesn't get it. And so Peter should have just said, okay, wash my feet. But he takes it to this whole new level. I will say, though, that I think it's safe to say that this event stuck with Peter for the rest of his life. I mean, just think back on your life in a moment where maybe you aren't so proud of what you've said. Kind of sticks with you. But I think this stuck with Peter because he actually mentions it in his own letter. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, he says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace 
to the humble. When you look up the word that Peter used there for clothe, clothe yourself, it has to do with the towel that a slave or a servant would tie around their waist. And so Peter is saying, listen, all of you, every single one of you, this is your role. It's to tie that towel. See, he finally got it. In that moment, he did not. This was the scarf. It was the apron that a slave would wear or a servant would wear. Here's the idea. You and I, all of us here, are to be serving one another. Now, this isn't, this isn't talking about like serving on the greeting team or serving in children's ministry. Those things are wonderful and the church needs those things. That's not, that's not what Peter's saying. He's saying we need to serve each other in our daily lives, in the way that we live, in how we interact with each other. Our life should be service to one another. It's the way we should live. So eventually, Peter does pick up on this. But verse 10, Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. But not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. Those who have bathed do not need to wash. Let me say that again. Those who have bathed do not need to wash, except they need their feet to be clean. Those who have bathed do not need to be washed, except for their feet. Their feet need to be clean. So what Jesus is saying to Peter is, Peter, you're, you're already clean. I don't need to dump the bucket over your head. I don't need to wash your hands. I just need to wash your feet. You are already clean. What made Peter clean? What made Peter clean? Here we go. This is Bible trivia. What made Peter clean? Well, if you jump ahead, okay, it's kind of unfair because we're jumping ahead in the story of John. John chapter 15, verse 3, Jesus says, it is my word that has cleansed you. It's the word that I speak that cleanses you. And what's interesting is last week when Pastor Sam was teaching and he taught through John chapter 12, the end, he said, and he, he taught on how it's actually the word that will eventually judge you. So it's the word that makes you clean and it's the word that judges. So what does that mean? What does that look like? If you believe the words of Jesus, you are clean. If you believe the words of Jesus, you are clean. But your feet aren't. They still need to be washed because you still have sin in your life. We still have sin in our life. You know, here, here's the thing about sin too. I think that a lot of us struggle with the sin we see in our own 
himself. Especially if we're legit followers of Jesus, okay? I look at my life and I'm, I'm actually pretty disgusted with who I am. And I really hope that the person who was tailgating me on 246 could, wasn't close enough to read my lips in the mirror. <laughs> like, I'm really disgusted with, with my heart, with the wickedness within me, with the sin that I commit on a daily basis. And I think that if, if we're honest with ourselves and honest in examining our own heart, we're all disgusted as well. And I think that we can have two responses to our sin that are actually really detrimental. Number one is that we tend to look at other people and how they sin differently and think that we are better than them because they sin differently. And we try and justify ourselves. And we try and feel better about ourselves. At least I'm not like that. At least I don't struggle in that area. That's worse. That's worse than me. It's not. It's not. The other side, the other negative impact that we do with our sin is we say, there is no way. There's no way I'm saved. There's no way Jesus' promises for my life are true because I look at the sin in my own heart. I look at my failures. I look at my imperfections. There's no way. You know, I got asked a question one time. Um, it was actually from the platform as I was teaching. Someone raised their hand. It's kind of an interesting situation. And they asked me and they said, I have so much sin in my life. How do I know that I am saved? How do I know that I'm actually like a believer in Jesus or whatever? And I said, do you believe in Jesus? And they said, yes. And, and this is what I said, and I think this is really important. What you cannot earn by moral perfection, you cannot lose by moral imperfection. There is nothing that you can do to earn salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn God's grace. Therefore, there's nothing you can do to lose it. And we struggle with the sin in our life. Here's what we need to do. We need to have our feet washed. We need to have our feet washed. And so, as we think about this, and as we look at verse 12 here, and we look at what Jesus does, let me read this to you. It says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then... Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. So we already established that our role as Christians is to serve one another, right? It is to clothe ourselves, is to put on that towel. 
It's to get down and to wash each other's feet. But in a culture where feet washing is not custom, if I walked into any one of your houses and you you guys were like, take off your shoes, let me wash your feet, I'd be like, I'm just going to go. Like, this is, this is weird. Like, I don't like it. I don't like it. I, I, yeah, I don't like it. I don't really like being touched, period. So I hope that wasn't an open invitation. But anyways, verse here, we established again, I'm getting off track. Our goal is to serve one another. But in the context here of being clean already and washing each other's feet, what do you think that means? I think, I think we need to forgive each other. I think that each one of you in here has been hurt by someone. And I think you need to go wash their feet. I think that there's probably people who are actually affected by the way that they've hurt you. And what would it be like to that person if you were to humble yourself and go to them and wash their feet? What would it be like to wash the feet of your enemies? What would it be like to wash the feet of Gavin Newsom? But I I actually mean that in seriousness. What would that mean? If we lived a life where we didn't keep account of right or wrong, where we lived a life where we were quick to forgive, quick to serve other people. You know, I had a friend, he's still my friend. (laughs) I have a friend who would come over to our house for dinner quite often. And every single time after dinner, he would do the dishes for us. And I was always like, hey man, like, you don't have to do that. I'm gonna do it. Like, don't worry about it. And he'd be like, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) I'm gonna do your dishes. And he would do it and he would serve and he would love me and ultimately love my wife through that. And I can't help but think, what if we live lives like that? Where we genuinely put other people above ourselves. Where you were a safe place for other people to come and get their feet washed. Like I remember driving um, up the 101 with a pastor and uh, we were headed it was like from Lompoc up to the Salinas area. We were, we were doing something. And I don't want to say too much because then we might know who it is. Anyways, it's no one here. Uh, we're driving up. And I remember he was talking about this individual who calls themselves a Christian, but yet is living in sin or, or whatever you want to say. And I remember thinking to myself, like, dude, who are you? Who are you? Like, I live in sin. I'm just as jacked up as anybody. So are you. And so who are you? I think that if if we could stop taking other people's sin so personal, 
And if we could actually stoop down and wash their feet and forgive them and love them, what do you think that would do? What do you think that would do to our community? What do you think that would do to this church if we loved each other in that way? If we just said, hey, you know what? No matter what, like remember how John started this. This whole story is a metaphor about being served by Jesus and how we are to then go out and serve other people. And John, in his recollection of this story, could only remember how much Jesus loved them. You want to have an impact, you want to have a lasting impact on people's lives, then we need to love other people. We need to stop worrying about whether their sin is greater than yours. Thinking that you're the greatest in the kingdom. We're just as guilty as the next person. Look at verse 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, we'll finish up here. A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you who do them. You are not, myself included, greater than Jesus. I am not greater than Jesus. And if Jesus took a position that was so low, then who am I to say that this position is too low for me? Who are you to say that this position is too low for me? The role of a servant. If Jesus is our Lord, if he is our master, if he is our king, and this is what he did, then who are we to say that we deserve better? That we now don't have the responsibility to do this to others or that we are somehow above this. No, this is the role we should all take. This is the role. You know, one of the things I like to do when, when I teach is, I, I'm a very analytical person and I like to challenge people's intellect. <laughs> and I want you to walk out of here this morning challenged by what Jesus has done and challenged by what he has called us to do. But then what do we do? I think we need to be intentional. I, need, I think we need to be intentional about how we're living, intentional about serving others. We should be looking for opportunities, not for a hand clap, not for approval, not for praise, but because you love the other person. And so this morning, as, as, as we close up, I want you to think of someone whom you love, who maybe doesn't know that you love them. And I want you to ask yourself this question, how can I show them this week that I do love them? Or maybe think of somebody who you don't like. That's even better. Think of someone you don't like and ask yourself the question, how can I wash their feet? And just see what happens. I bet you'll win a friend. 
And if you don't, then you don't. Jesus washed Judas' feet and he still betrayed him. So what? Maybe they still betray you. So what? Who cares? Who are you? Who am I? Who am I to think that I deserve better than Jesus? It's kind of interesting. Um, I'll finish with a story and then we'll pray and get out of here. So when I was in Bible college, no, <laughs> I'm in Bible college, okay? Uh, we had this one kid who was part of our group, our friends, and we used to make fun of him and we made fun of him pretty hard because he was one of those kids that could just dish, 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 but could never take it. And so we kind of had a lot of fun with ruffling his feathers. Well, one day we're sitting in class and uh, (laughs) it was James class, right? We didn't consider how dangerous our tongues could be, but it was James class. We're sitting there and it's, it's a break in the class and he goes up to the teacher and he says, hey, these guys won't stop making fun of me and I don't know what to do about it. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh no. We're about to get in trouble. And the teacher goes, well, who are you? (laughs) Who are you? And then proceeds to say, why do you deserve to be treated better than Jesus? And in that moment, me being 19 and thinking that was funny, started laughing. But then I thought about it more and was like, hey, you know what? There's actually truth to that. Why would we think that we deserve better than Jesus? It's never okay to make fun of people. (laughs) I'm just saying, using it as an example. Why would we ever think that we should be treated better than Jesus? So as we go out here this morning, I want you again to be challenged by these ideas and to look for opportunities to love other people. Challenge accepted? Can we do it? All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, I just, I thank you so much for how much you genuinely do love us. And I pray that we would recognize just through through looking at this story that We are clean if we believe what you say. And that it's important for us to come to you and to have our feet washed and to confess sin and to be honest with each other and honest with ourselves. I pray that you would put a person on each one's heart this morning of who they could love, who they can serve, who they can forgive so that God, we can truly be your hands and feet within this community. And we can truly represent you in all that we do. So I pray these things in Jesus name, amen. Hey guys, let's stand up. Y'all know how we end, right? We know how we end. I'm looking at Joe, see if he remembers. Joe, do you remember how we end? <laughs> That's what I think. So, so here's what we do, okay? 
Every week we say this, and it's not, it's not a mantra, it's a mission, right? Let everything we say and do bring glory to God and good to this valley. You guys wanna repeat it one time? Okay, ready? Let everything we say and do bring glory to God and good to this valley. Okay, you guys have a great Sunday.